CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got another great show on deck for you. First, against a broader market backdrop, we'll get some actual utility out of utilities. And then we'll do some oil exploration to see if we can generate some reserves. And finally, lessons to take away from our recent Tesla speculation and why we continue to get a charge out of General Motors. As usual, I am joined by Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Tony Zhang. So let's get right to it. Utility, noun, the state of being useful, profitable, or beneficial. Carter Worth explains how the eponymous sector can be all of that and much more right now. Carter. Sure. Well, you know, we uh, thought the, the thought was let's do something we haven't done in a while and also something that is maybe an offense and defensive play. We know rates have had a big uh, move, got to one spot, one nine percent. We backed off here a bit. And given that uh, thinking maybe that rates are stuck now, uh, utilities, which are exhibiting uh, day-to-day relative strength, are a place to uh, consider on the long side. Uh, a couple of charts to get us going. The first is simply talking about the importance of total return. This is a 10-year chart, two lines, pretty straightforward, and it's the S&P 500 itself versus the S&P 500 total return. And you can see the numbers there. On a 10-year basis, the S&P up 194% total return, 263. Look at the second chart to make the importance of uh, yield. This is a 30-year chart. S&P up 1,000. Total return up 2. Double. Over time, looking back at the beginning of markets, the turn of the century, uh, yield is half your total return. Very important. So let's drill down on utilities. Um, Next chart, XLU. This is, of course, the Spider Select ETF that matches or tracks the S&P 500 utility sector. And there's a lot of tension here. Uh, we're, we're working into the apex of a wedge. It's a standoff, if you will. And um, the thinking is we're going to get resolved up. Now, I would point out, of course, the yield at 3.42% versus the S&P at 1.56 is 2.2 times out of the market. That's pretty near its historical uh, uh, sort of ratio, if you will. But it's, it's handsome in this environment. Final chart is a very up close and personal. This is only a three month chart. I just wanted to sort of depict the gradual early stage, uh, but very real bottoming out uh, day to day performance, relative performance of utilities. We like it, uh, want to be long, symbol XLU. All right, thanks for that, Carter. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so uh, let's just uh, unpack a couple of the things that Carter was just talking about there. So, uh, of course, with options, you know, if you buy a stock, you can collect a dividend. That's the type of yield that you can get when you purchase stocks. Of course, when you trade options, options don't pay dividends, but that doesn't mean there aren't very effective ways to collect yields on them. But let's just take a quick peek at XLU first. So one of the things we obviously want to take a look at, yes, it's true, rates have gone up, but they still remain uh, quite low. Sales have been better than expected. And for the utility sector, the S&P utility sector generally, take a look at what the evaluation of the sector was prior to uh, the March sell-off. We were looking at about 18 times, maybe a little bit more, 
take a look at the price to earnings on that sector now. Similarly, it's about 18 times or slightly less. So, in fact, it has not completely recaptured the valuation that it had before the March sell-up. Compare that to the S&P more generally, which was trading around 20 times prior to the sell-off and is about 26 times now. Now, one other thing I would quickly point out, like the S&P, this is a space where we are still seeing somewhat elevated options premiums. That usually sets up pretty nicely for some yield-collecting trades. In this case, we want to do a calendar trade. Specifically, I was looking at the February, June 63 call calendar. You could buy those June 63 calls for about $2.75 when I was looking at that earlier today and sell the nearer-dated ones against it for about a dollar and a quarter. Net-net you're laying out a $1.50 in premium. But remember when you do these kinds of calendars, this is a yield trade, assuming that the underlying remains relatively steady, relatively close to where it is, because those nearer dated options are going to decay more rapidly than the longer dated ones that you own. So that's essentially how you generate your yield. How much yield in this case? Well, pretty good, of course, because you know what you're going to be looking at in this instance is uh, about $1.20 over the course of about a month or so uh, relative to the $63 strike price of XLU. But in fact, you're going to be taking considerably less risk because if there was a sell-off in XLU, of course, you'd be laying out 62 bucks and change per share or so. Here, you're going to be spending about $1.50 instead. Now, Tony, I haven't known you for as long as I've known Carter and Mike, but I would guess that you don't normally trade XLU at the same time. Do you like this trade, the structure of it? Uh, I actually don't trade XLU very often. It's more of an investment type uh, sector. But for those, for very, for the reasons that Mike laid out and Carter laid out, I really like this trade. Not only from a technical, but also from a fundamental perspective. If you look at the chart, uh, XLU right now has a, has been trading within a range. You have support around sixty dollars and fifty cents uh, to the downside, and then you have resistance around sixty-five, which happens to very well line up with the break-even price of Mike's calendar spread. If you look Look at it fundamentally speaking, with 10-year rates at about 110 basis points, that's really going to put a bit of upside cap here for XLU. But at the same time, the yield that Carter is referring to, 3.1% for this for this sector, is going to provide that support for this particular sector and play that defensive side. So for those reasons, technically and fundamentally, I like the fact that we're playing a range-bound play. And traditionally, when you're looking at options to do so, you might sell a straddle to, uh, to play a range-bound. But Mike has been very creative here using a calendar spread. If you look at the risk profile of that calendar spread, it looks very similar to a short straddle. But a short straddle has unlimited risk, and it's not very capital efficient because it requires a high amount of margin to get into that trade. Versus this calendar, you have a very similar risk pro profile, you have limited risk, and you're only, in this particular case, laying out about 2.5% of the ETF's value to play for this neutral play here for XLU, while still maintaining the long-term bullish outlook here with his June $63 call option. If the Februarys expire worthless, he effectively owns the June $63 calls for only about 2.5% of the ETS value. So for those reasons, I, I really like this trade. Carter, do you have to have a view that rates are capped uh, in order to be a believer in XLU? Well, just looking at the sequencing, we know rates had that epic low in March at 30 basis points thereabout, and we've worked higher ever since, just as equities have worked higher. But this recent push, very aggressive, uh, to one spot one nine and the backing away, you don't quickly regain that one uh, two level one one nine, uh, nor do you give back a whole lot more, having just dropped from essentially one two uh, to almost one spot oh seven. So rates 
on a sort of week-over-week basis are likely to be range-bound by my work, and utilities therefore have that out of the way. Okay. Well, there is a current running through our next few segments, so let's follow from utilities to the EV trade. General Motors pulling back after hitting a fresh all-time high just yesterday. The stock has been ripping as the company pushes deeper into the EV market. Despite the record run, Tony says there's still money to be made in this one. Tony, take it away. Yeah, so I want to talk about GM here as a play for electric vehicles. For a lot of investors that are interested in this thematic trade, a lot of the other startups or big companies in this particular space are trading at what I would consider eye-watering valuations. And investors may have a tough time wrapping their arms around buying stocks at these types of valuations. So for investors who are looking for EV exposure in their portfolios, I think GM has a lot more upside here. So if we look at the chart itself first, Over the past 10 years post the bankruptcy, the all-time highs for GM was about $46.5. We just broke above that this week. So this signals to me that the market is shifting in its views for GM and its future here. And especially when you couple that breakout here above 46 with the relative strength outperforming the S&P 500, I think that puts a lot more weight behind this breakout here. And I think you have a lot more upside here for GM. Now, What I like about the business here is that most of the other electric vehicle startup companies have single differentiators uh, of their companies for electric vehicles, whether that's battery technology, whether it's autonomous driving, or some of them in hydrogen fuel cell. What I like about GM is that they're a much larger established player, and they've already secured partnerships across all of these technologies, and they're looking to launch 30 brand new electric vehicles by 2025. So for those reasons, I think GM has the upside potential here for a much larger um, uh, revaluation in the multiples that it's currently trading in, not at 30, 40, 50 times sales that some of these other electric vehicle startups are trading at. GM is only trading at about half time sales. So for those reasons, I like this substantially. Now, I mentioned GM back here in early February, uh, in early September when it's trading at $30. Now that it's trading above 50, I think that there's still upside here. I'm actually going to use the cha- the same trade structure that I used back here in September. I'm going out to February and I'm selling the $49 co- uh, $49 puts here. Uh, that'll collect about $2.55 here for those puts, which allowed me to potentially purchase the stock at about a 5% discount if GM trades below $49 at that February expiration. And the goal here is to allow me to gain exposure here for GM in the short run, especially the fact that it pulled back 3% today. I think that's the opportunity to sell a put here. Uh, Carter, what do you think of the chart here? Massive, massive uh, levels to achieve this week. Sure. I mean, a big, big move, right? And I think this is why you do have to uh, do it through options to be up 16%. Uh, typically, you will back and fill or, or back away after a re-rating, uh, one-week rating such as that. I mean, the one thing is a lot is uh, on the come, so to speak. We know that its peak earnings, just for what it's worth, in 2017 were $6.62. And the analyst community says in 2023 it will earn $6.65. 662 to 665 2017 to 2023, no, no change in earnings, meaning it's got to deliver on the hope uh, at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's the thing, Mike. I mean, you have to believe, in order for, for you to believe in this re-rating, that it's got to have a little bit of the valuation that a Tesla or some of the other uh, you know, SPACs in the EV space are getting at this point. What do you think of Tony's trade? 
Yeah, so a, a very little bit of the valuation that some of these others in the space might have. I mean, consider the valuation specifically. Yes, the stock's had a, a pretty strong run, um, but just take a look at the valuation where it is. If it was going to trade, say, 10 times the anticipated $6.62 worth of earnings, that gets you to 66 bucks a share in change, which is a pretty good move to the upside from where we are currently. Another way you sometimes look at the valuation of industrials is the enterprise value to EBITDA. This thing is expected to do EBITDA of just under $17 billion, about 16.8 by the end of 2021. And this is on a $72 billion enterprise value. Now, if this was a completely stable business that was only growing with the economy, that would be one thing. But the thing is, they've demonstrated that they actually can build electric vehicles, very good ones, in fact. The Chevy Bolt, for example, is an excellent electric car. They had some other ones before that. They also have an investment, as I'm sure you know, in Cruise, the autonomous driving technology company. So they have a lot of things going on. They're moving the company in the right direction. They have free cash flow. It's trading at an attractive valuation. Yes, it has a, had a good run. And if you think it's going to pause, that's why Tony's trade might actually make some sense here. Why? Because if the stock pulls back, essentially you're going to buy it at a discount, about a 5% discount to where the stock is currently trading. And we've already discussed that the valuation seems reasonable. So uh, I like the trade. All right. We've got some uh, news out of Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire is taking a 24.9% passive stake in EW Scripps. That is according to an SEC filing uh, filed this evening. Scripps is popping up 3.5% in the after-hour session on this news. Coming up next, we've got some more car talk. Our GM trade is in the books. Now it's time to talk a little Tesla. We've got a big update on that trade that expires today. And don't forget, for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. We will be right back. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Before the break, we use utilities as a market hedge. Now let's continue to, with that theme and do something similar with oil. Check out the move in crude oil since October 30th. It's now up almost 45%, and that's been huge for some of the biggest trading vehicles in the energy space. Check out the OIH oil services ETF nearly doubling the XOP oil production ETF up 70% and the XLE broader energy ETF up more than 50%. But there is one other fund making big moves in the oil space, and Mike Coe is about to tell you how to take advantage. He's here with a call to action. Mike? Yeah, so we're taking a look at USO, the United States Oil Fund. This is the ETF that is designed to track the front month futures in the WTI crude oil uh, futures market. Now, of course, what a lot of people who are following the oil market will probably notice is that WTI, for example, if we take a look at where it was priced right before the severe sell-off that we saw earlier this year, in fact, those futures actually closed negative for the first time in history in 2020. Uh, you will notice that on a per-barrel basis, we're up over 50. We're very close to those pre-crash lows. USO, the ETF that's designed to track the price of oil, has not recovered to the same extent. One of the reasons for that is because that fund is essentially purchasing rolling uh, futures and forward contracts on oil. And when you have these big dislocations in the term structure of oil prices, that can actually sort of impair the price. So USO hasn't recovered quite as much to those prior levels, but it's still indicative of the increase that we've seen in crude oil prices. Now, 
kind of like just trading options generally. If you buy a barrel of oil, it doesn't pay you any yield. You don't get any dividend for that. But we are still seeing elevated options premiums. If you are one of the people who, seeing those lows in oil in 2020, decided to buy USO, now we've had this big run. Now we're seeing oil back very close to where it was prior to all of this. What do you do now? Well, one thing you could do is look to sell covered calls. When I was looking at this earlier today, this is when the USO was trading for around 35 bucks or a little bit more. I was looking specifically out to the March 37 calls, and you could collect uh, about $1.20 for those. Now, here's the thing. When you sell covered calls, what you're engaging in is in not so much a trade as you are an investment strategy. You hold a stock, and then you repeatedly go out and try to collect some yield by selling calls against it. And that's how you can generate sort of consistent yield. And Carter discussed uh, earlier in the show how that can benefit your returns over time. And the other thing this does is it improves the probability of profit. Why is that? Because you still have some upside. In this case, if it rallies through that $37 strike price, net of the $1.20 that you collected, even if you have the USO called away, that's still 8% upside. But if you do not, if it just stays still, you're going to be collecting more than a 3% standstill yield over the course of the next two months. And, of course, this also serves as a little bit of a buffer to a downside move. So if USO drops by 1%, 2 or even 3%, that's going to be offset by the premium you collect. So improves your probability of profit. It's a kind of a strategy that almost anybody who holds stocks can engage in and will generate some additional yield for your portfolio. Carter, what do you think of this chart? Right. So there are a couple of things to consider, a little bit like the financials. Uh, things get ahead of themselves. They, they're pricing, let's say, all the news, whether it's the Saudi news or what have you. And it's a, a classic instance of uh, taking the road less traveled, fading something when all are embracing it. So just consider the fact that um, uh, on the NYMEX, uh, WTI crude is up 10 of the last 11 weeks. Now, that's only happened a handful of times going back for decades. And it's not particularly good uh, in the 12th week, in the 13th week, meaning it's a time to fade it. And, and of course, energy st- stocks, big week, uh, best performing sector, but they too uh, took it on the chin today. This is a perfect instance where options and selling calls is a strategy that will uh, be uh, likely hugely profitable. Tony, your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I, I quite like this because if you look at crude, uh, the $53 level that it's currently trading up against is a major resistance level. It also corresponds with the 200-week simple moving average here. And there are just classic signs of exhaustion, as Carter was referring to, as you have uh, higher highs in the crude pricing. We're not seeing momentum confirming those new highs. So for all of those reasons, I think Mike's uh, cover call here, spe- specifically using the $37 call option, being a little bit more tactical here, being a little bit more aggressive, collecting more yield here is suitable. Um, normally, when I'm selling these types of cover calls, we usually like to go a little further out in terms of strike prices. So the fact that Mike has adjusted it down to the 37, I think, reflects the more neutral or slightly bearish view here on oil. Uh, from my perspective, I do think that there is an adjustment for cover call investors. Not only do you should you look at how much premium are you collecting over the lifetime of the cover call, but also how much premium are you collecting per day of that cover call. So I'll suggest one uh, one slight adjustment for investors who are perhaps seeking a little bit more yield or a little bit more time decay in a faster fashion is to actually sell the February 
$37 calls. You're going to collect about a little over 70 cents, which is more than half of what uh, Mike's trade was collecting. And you're limiting yourself to the same $37 strike, but you're only limiting over the next 35 days versus the next 60 days for the March options. So you really give your, you're giving yourself actually a little bit more upside for a shorter amount of time and collecting more, uh, collecting less premium for it. All right. Up next to one retailer already seeing some electric gains this year. We'll tell you the name and what it means for one of our traders. Plus, we're taking your tweets, so send them on in at Options Action. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Our most recent Tesla trade expired today. If you will recall, back in December, Mike speculated that it was time to hit the brakes on Tesla as it entered the S&P 500. Given the fact that the short interest has dropped considerably, the stock is trading at all-time highs, we've already seen the boost that comes from the split. We're already seeing this big boost that came from the entrance into the index that maybe there isn't as many things lying around to basically continue to propel the stock to new heights. And so I was inclined today to take a short bet on Tesla. And the way I did that uh, earlier today, and I should point out, the stock closed very close to 700. It was about 670 when I did this trade. I decided to sell the January 700, 720 call spread. Since then, well, that's why it's called speculation. And that's the first lesson to take away. If you are going to speculate using options is almost always the safest way to do so. So, Mike, what is the next lesson here? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. So here's a situation when you're trying to, you know, either lean against continued rallies or, or even make short bets in in highly valued companies like Tesla, very hard to draw a firm line in the sand and actually short the stock. Your risk then would be unlimited. And take a look at where Tesla has gone since. I mean, up about $150 since then. By selling a call spread or, you know, a close quarterly would have been buying a put spread, you limit your risk considerably. And that's the only way that you can essentially tactically bet against companies like Tesla. And really, you know, this isn't a bet against Tesla, just it was really bet against the stock's price. Uh, which I thought had become extended, but it's become more extended since. So just continue to use options and allocate small amounts of capital when you make bets like that one. All right. Up next, the final call. Time for the final call. Carter. Utilities will serve you well here by XLU. Tony. Sell puts on GM. Mike. Covered calls in USO. All right. Thanks for watching. Have a great long weekend. We'll see you back here next Friday for more Options Action. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.